Hello, everybody. Welcome back to episode two of Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Today we have myself, Ash, and we have Mikey. Hello. And we have a guest whose name is Shonda. Hello. <laughs> and I just want to thank everybody for listening last week. Mikey, how many listeners are we up to now? As of now, we got up to 68. So thanks 68. for listening. Everyone. Excellent. That's so exciting because I thought that we would have like seven. And I didn't even know Mikey was going to put us on iTunes. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm totally shocked and thrilled, and this is like really, really exciting for me. Yay, WTF! for me as well. <laughs> so thanks to everybody for listening, and special thanks to Mikey for doing such a great job putting everything together last week. I know it took him forever to put together the podcast, to sign us up for all the different things, and he knew right where to go to sign us up for things, and I don't even know what all he did. Oh, it was nothing, really. <laughs> and Mikey made a blog for us, and you can check us out at WTF dash podcast.blogspot.com Oh yeah, I want to say something about that actually. Um, Go ahead. Uh, if on the iTunes store uh, there's a link to our website and that is our website so that should work now. I know it didn't work uh, well yesterday actually. I, ch- I changed it yesterday. Uh, um, and also the show notes last week they were put in the description of the podcast. Uh, on iTunes, so, and it was really awkward to read, and everything was all cluttered, and you couldn't click links or anything. So, from now on, I'll put a link in the show notes, the way I did in last last time. But the link will go to the blog, and we'll have a blog post on there instead, so you can click everything, and it's easier to read. That's excellent. It makes a lot of sense to put it on the um, website, the blog site, instead of cluttering up the info section on the notes so since people listened last week and got to know you and I Mikey I thought I would introduce Shonda and so Shonda is a friend of mine who I've known for a year now and just like with Mikey I have not met her in real life yet she's one of a group of friends who all became obsessed with Twilight after reading the series and um, surfing the internet and we all ended up on a discussion forum where we just kind of started talking and everything clicked. And we've just been together since. And none of us knew each other till we met online. But since then, some of us have met the others. Most of us have met the others. Shonda is our cruise director because she plans our events. She writes the announcements and she keeps us all on topic so we don't... Um, get off topic if we're having a meeting, which we have sometimes. And um, recently, Shonda went to L.A. for the New Moon premiere and met up with three others in our group. And in addition to loving Twilight, Shonda writes some fan fiction. And she is married and has three kids. Yeah, so how's that? Would that? Be me. So do you, do, you uh, do any beta reading for Shonda? Oh, beta reading? Yeah. Yes, I have. For um, the most recent story I posted. I, you know, it's not always easy getting um, someone to beta a story uh, because it, it is um, 
asking for a level level of criticism. And you just wonder, will it affect a friendship or things like that? But um, it's nice having a beta. Okay, so we've got some questions to ask each other, pre-selected beforehand. But from now on, if you want to send in questions for us to ask each other and our guests, uh, tune in at the end for the contact information. Yes, because we thought everybody, since we're new, would like to get to know us. So we thought we'd come up with questions and ask each other so that our listeners can get to know a little bit about us. So I wanted to ask Mikey and Shonda, what restaurants are near to your house or which ones do you go to most frequently? I don't really go to restaurants unless you can't getting fish and chips or, or like take out food. I would count that. Oh, okay. Actually, yeah. I would as well. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, I I go to a... There's a place about a mile away in town. Yeah, it's a fish and chip shop called the I, I have a question. Okay. Fish and chips. What what type of fish is normally used for that? I, one day I would really like to have authentic English fish and chips. But, what, but what's the, um, the usual fish used? Uh, usually it's cod. But okay. more recently, because of um, a, like cod being over-farmed in the North Sea, they've been using haddock, I think, more recently. I've never had that. But never you had haddock. You can still get cod, but it's more expensive. But yeah. Maybe worth it. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, for us, we, we, we eat out frequently, but hardly ever... Inside the restaurant, we get a lot of takeout, but when I take the kids, they like to go to Steak and Shake. That is um, like our our family restaurant, so to speak. They have their habits there. It's almost part of the process. If we go to the park, next place we go is Steak and Shake. Either that or taking the Starbucks, but that doesn't really count as a restaurant. That is, um, that's like our thing. Is, and it's, it's, um, sorry, could I just ask, is Starbucks ridiculously overpriced in America? Well, yes. That's part of the experience, I think. <laughs> so, um, steak and shake is, is um, basically it's um, burger and fries um, and milkshakes. There is no steak. That's just um, a misleading part of the name. They call them steak burgers, but uh, you can't get steak. I feel kind of let down, though. <laughs> they have those in Ohio, and they're like uh, old. They're supposed to be mimicking like the 50s-style diner where you would go to get a burger and fries. Yeah, I think that's the theme, and then they give the kids little paper cars that are 50 styles cars that they play with. So, uh, But Ash, what, what restaurants are near your home? Where do you frequent? Um, we like Steak and Shake, but it's on the other side of town, and we only have one in our area, so we don't go there very often. Um, hmm. Our family, my family favorite would be like Applebee's or Bob Evans. Ah, Bob Evans, I miss it. But my kids hate Applebee's, but my husband loves it, so it's always like a big fight of where we're going to go for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Understood. Definitely understood. We had a few Bob Evans, but they did close. It was one of my favorites. Yeah, because, you know, the food was good and filling, and, um, but there was, there was the local one where I could get a family meal, and that one closed, and the one in the next town over, which isn't too far of a drive that closed recently as well. So we're, we're just out of luck with Bob Evans. 
My favorite type of food to eat is Mexican, but my husband doesn't like it. So for family places or places we frequent, I wouldn't say Mexican. But if I could pick anywhere, I'd go to any Mexican restaurant. I, I go to Mexican restaurants occasionally with coworkers who speak Spanish. And at some point, I don't get to order for myself once the waiter or waitress realizes that, you know, there's someone there who speaks Spanish. They just I get totally cut out of the conversation. Um, and so I find myself telling my companion, I would like iced tea, you know, so it's, it's just an odd thing that I've noticed, you know, regardless of who I go with, the first time they speak Spanish, it is it for me. I can just be silent now. <laughs> so I have one more question. Shonda, what would be your idea of a fun night out? A fun night, um... I find more fun nights or just like hanging out with girlfriends and um, we go go somewhere. Typically, we go somewhere we've never been before um, just for the newness of the experience. Um, I'm sure like like if I go with my husband, there's a certain type we'll go restaurant we'll go to because uh, he pretty much likes the same things over and over. So we'll, we'll just we'll pick something different. We'll go. We'll order. Um, everybody has to get something different because. What's the fun and eat off some ice plate if they have the same pasta you have? So that's that that is the fun part. And sit and chat, you know. Um if it's fun for me if I'm not the driver, in which case I can have a, a glass of wine or a cocktail. Um which, you know, is also nice. And then um just just the chit chat, just the communing with the girls. That is that is a fun night. For for me a fun night with my husband. It's just um hanging out together just not just me and him uh, the kids can be there as well but if we're you know watching something and we're you know really connected and that's a fun night i'm not a evidently i'm not a very exciting person i just um listen to myself and wow i am an easy date however if you if you've ever noticed yeah um Now, Mikey, on the other hand, I don't know what you are at all. I've listened to the last podcast, well, most of the last podcast, so I sort of know you. Um, but I do understand you're quite the Harry Potter fan. Um, and I guess we've actually already touched on this. You um, you do read some fan fiction, which is fiction that's derived from the original story and written by, well, fans. Now, I read a lot of Twilight fan fiction. It's kind of my thing right now and some of it I read is um is written by British writers and and the words and the terminology and sometimes just the way things are put together is so uniquely British um and there's some big telltale clues like if they sit down and the guys are chilling and they're watching American football and it's funny because Americans would never refer to it as we're watching American football that's you know one of the big giveaways and sometimes they're having a burger and and chips, and uh, naturally, I always think they're having potato chips first, and then I catch myself and realize those are the French fries. Um, so there, you know, there's some telltale giveaways. And when you, if you're reading Harry Potter fan fiction written by Americans, what are the kind of telltale giveaways that just kind of point out that the person doesn't quite have a, the grasp of the lingo or the culture? Uh, the <laughs> the worst example I've seen was. Uh, as you said uh, with chips we call fries chips here or what we'd call chips you would call fries so what you call chips we call crisps and um, 
the worst thing I saw was someone called fish and chips, fish and crisps. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it is, yeah, quite silly, but uh, uh, it's just things like that, and the most common one, I suppose, is spellings like colour or, or uh, things like meter. Just the different spellings that we have. We would tend to use meters when we talk about distance, I think, and you would use feet and inches and right. stuff like that. And just it's just cultural differences, I guess. Well, they um, they do sort of stand out. It, it kind of changes the the for me the mental voice. And with you know, I'm using to read a story. I'll I'll switch over to. Um, Thinking pasta instead of pasta. If I'm reading a story like that, that's the thing. Just in in the sense of fan fiction, I was just curious. What is your top pet peeve when it comes to fan fiction? I'm sure we all have some, but what would yours be, uh, Mikey? I'm sorry, I didn't yeah. mention. Uh, I'd say my biggest issue with people in general is when they, I don't know, I. I can't read anything that isn't quite heavily canonized, if that's the right word to use. So, like, I can't read anything with odd pairings and stuff that's out of character. Out of character is what gets me most. Like, someone doing something that just they would never do in the book itself. So, I guess that's my answer: being out of character. I, I get you totally. I am typically I read canon, um, and if I'm reading something that is of that universe, it it just kind of throws it off if they completely change the character because it's like, well, why'd you bother writing it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's just me. Now, um, Ash, you know, we've had a relatively long Twilight Association uh, about a year now, um, and you know, just been talking about. Fan fiction is a big part of the experience. How did you get started reading fan fiction? Um, what kind of clued you into it that it was there, and um, what kind of got you started along that thing? Um, I don't really remember how I first heard about it, but I think that the first thing I ever read was when we were on our old site that we all got kicked off of, and we were... Um, Somebody mentioned that one of the authors got kicked off of that site for the story that she was posting on that site. And so then I wanted to go read the story just because I was like, well, why did she get kicked off? So I started reading that story. And then um, I started reading other stories on that site just that uh, um, people posted in forums. And then I found uh, fanfiction.net, which is where most of us go for the largest majority of stories. So that's where I started. Does this, um, I think I started reading fan fiction on that very same site, and I'm pretty sure you guys directed me to fanfiction.net. Yeah, Ash and yeah. I are Rebels, we, we kind of made waves at the last site we read. Anyway, what do you look for <laughs> in the story when you're picking up on something new? Me? Yeah, yeah. Um, Is it the characters? What? I don't want to read two stories where um, Edward's a vampire and they're both exactly the same age as they are in the Twilight series. Or I like to read um, all different ages. 
so that way I can keep them straight in my head. Because I read a lot of stories at the same time. <laughs> Does so that make you're, sense? you're the opposite then. So you read stuff that isn't canon. Yeah. If I'm well, I'm reading so many. So if I'm reading one or two that are canon, I like to read a couple that aren't. So I'm reading a couple where, like Edward and Bella are older. Um, I'm reading a couple where they're in high school. One where he's a vampire and she's um, a vampire, and one where neither of them are vampires. So it's all over the place. I read everything. So you I'm say easy. that you're you're reading them currently. So you're reading them as new chapters are being put up. Right. Some of them only update once a month, and some update a couple of times a week. Wow. Okay. Because for me, because I was late coming to the Harry Potter fandom, like everything that I was reading, it had already been completely posted up online. So I didn't. I never had to wait for new things to be posted. It is the worst. It is the to wait, especially Elemental, where. Um, Edward and where everyone are, are witches instead of vampires and it's really 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 well wit- written but it's been over a month since the last update and it's killing us <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really really weird <laughs> the okay. waiting sounds weird no the story premise where they're all witches what the hell I've not read any Harry Potter fan fiction it's just um it seems like in Twilight they'll just be pretty much Anything thereabouts. Um, I think sometimes the only thing it has in common with the original is that there's usually a character named Edward and one named Bella. Typically, they're male and female. Um, it's it's just so out of this earth. So Ash looks for a lot of originality. Ash, what's your top pet, um, pet peeve with fan fiction? It's not the weight, is it? Um, I think my top pet peeve is that... I mean, just from following the authors on Twitter, it seems like there's some groups and or um, maybe not necessarily among the authors, but people that don't like the stories spend a lot of time, spend a lot of the author's time, I guess, arguing. So that's kind of a big thing going on right now is different. But mostly, I don't know, I don't really have any pet peeves. It really, really bugs me if there's grammar and spelling errors, but I just don't read them then. Oh, so. should offer your services. Well, anyway, so uh, I have some short questions just to help move things on a bit. First one, okay, for for both of you. Uh, what was the last song that you listened to? Uh, the last song I listened to was Alice from the Alice in Wonderland soundtrack. Oh, that was the last song I listened to as well. Uh, well, the last song I listened to was Lines in the Sand by Dream Theater. Not that anyone will know what, who Dream Theater is. I never heard of it. Mm-mm. No, it's just like you switch to a different language for a moment. <laughs> okay. It's a progressive metal band from uh, New York. Okay, okay, next question. What was the last live... Uh, production that you went to, like including live music, uh, uh, musicals, the theatre, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> What's so funny? A Nemo on Ice. 
change your life. <laughs> <laughs> That's no lie. <laughs> Obviously not. <laughs> Shanna. The last live music show I attended was um, actually the uh, American Music Awards in Los Angeles. Oh, um, cool. I think that's infinitely <laughs> cooler more answer than finding Nemo on ice. Yeah, I'm a loser. <laughs> no, I mean, if I had to answer for before that, I would have to go back into my college years and try to remember if those groups were still even active now. But yeah, that was uh, that was the last show I attended, and that was in November, and it was um, it was an experience. It's the sort of thing you can brag about and feel pretty confident with. It's like, yeah, I know I'm cool. But um, <laughs> that, was, that was the last show I attended. Oh, that's really neat that you got to go there. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, my last live music thing was the Snowball in Edinburgh, which was a Wizard Rock show. It was awesome. Oh, can you elaborate oh. on what a Wizard Rock show is? Uh, it's like a normal music show gig, only... With wizard rock bands. I'm uh, going to have to Google it, aren't I? <laughs> uh, wizard rock is music about Harry Potter. You have Twilight equivalent. It's Twi rock. Yeah, but but they don't get into that. Boo! Like we, we don't all talk. We don't listen to that as a group. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Um, we'll save that for next month, maybe. It'll be something new okay. and different. <laughs> now okay. I have to find a Twilight Rock band. <laughs> okay, anyway, next question. What was the last film you saw? The last one I saw at a movie theater. Um, and that was Alan and Chipmunks to Squeakle. Wow. You did go with your kids, though, didn't you? Yeah, I, I can't even pull out some sarcasm for that one. I would <laughs> have gone otherwise. It was... It was not as um, awful as I anticipated, and it was as predictable as I anticipated, but, you know, I at no point clawed my eyes out, so I would say I did well. <laughs> okay, then, Ash, what did you last see? Uh, my last one was Up in the Air with George Clooney and Anna Kendrick, which she did a phenomenal job, and he was mediocre. <laughs> He was the same George Clooney that you've seen in probably the, his last five films. I'm sorry, Mikey, what was the last film you saw? Oh, the last film I saw was Wild Hogs. John Travolta. Can Allen? Yes. That was the last movie you saw at the theater? Oh, the, uh, God, I don't know. What was that? Oh, the last thing I saw in, in a cinema was Avatar in IMAX 3D. Oh, nice. So, suck it. You got us. You win. <laughs> Damn right I win. Okay, that's enough <laughs> questions for now. For this week, rather. Uh, if you've okay. got questions, then send them in and we'll ask them next week. Sounds good. So now let's do news topics. I think we should do a little update on the Haiti relief efforts. I'll have to Definitely, edit. go for it. Yeah, uh, um... I think the we mentioned this last episode anyway, but I think the total uh, in the Harry Potter Alliance helping Haiti heal thing, they got to about one hundred twenty thousand dollars, 
which is quite amazing. And if you go to the Harry Potter Alliance website, uh, we'll put a link to this in the show notes, because I think it's pretty cool. Uh, J.K. Rowling herself has written a message to them saying thank you, and how much she appreciates it, and how (laughs) humbled she was to know that planes named Harry, Ron, and Hermione will be going to... flying off to help. So you're almost up to three planes on that? Three charter planes? Uh... Yeah, three. That's, that's as far as I know. They've got three planes. I'm not sure about the Twilight thing. I don't know if there's been any more updates on that. I don't know if you know. No, that um, ended right before we recorded the last time, so there's no other updates. Alright. Well, there's one other charity effort that I wanted to mention, because it'll be related to discussions later on in the episode. But the Bungie effort raised over $150. Bungie is the company that uh, makes the Halo game series. And they had this, they had a special t-shirt limited edition thing. And all the profits that they got from selling that t-shirt, they all went to the American Red Cross. And, uh, yeah, they made about $150,000, which is, which makes the Harry Potter Alliance thing seem pretty amazing next to that. Uh, moving on, we've got some game news. In the last week or so, uh, there was an event held by Microsoft called X10, and it was a sort of a conference where they released some new games for the Xbox 360. Well, they didn't release new games, they showcased them to press and I guess the public. So a lot of new trailers and things have surfaced. One of the things that we got a glimpse of was the new Xbox Live Arcade extension sort of thing, which is like, I think it's called the Game Room or something like House Party, I don't know what it's called, but basically you have your own virtual arcade and you can put your own games in and get your friends to come over virtually and they can play your games and one of the games that's coming out for that is called Toy Soldiers which is a tower defense game set in World War One sort of era it's pretty cool and, may and I then, ask one question about it though uh, yeah because <clears throat> the virtual arcade is kind of throwing me here so does that mean your friend doesn't have to have a game you can kind of host it so they can play it although they don't actually have it uh, I'm not too sure actually I've not read anything about it. I've just this is word of mouth sort of thing, watching interviews. Um, from what I gather, it, it's all virtual. So like, your friends can join you over the internet and come into your virtual arcade, and they pay credits or something. Like, or you buy credits, and then you can play a game. For you can play like one level of a game for so and so credits, something like that. I'm not too sure how it will work. And it seems like a, they're making a big deal out of it, but I don't see many people using it, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. um, so they'll just keep promoting it till it catches on, or they'll let it go? Yeah, it's, it seems like a gimmick that people will try at the start, but then it just seems like so much hassle that it won't catch on. I don't know. Okay, so another game that we saw was Lost Planet 2, and they showed some 
uh, I think it was some footage from the co-op campaign, and uh, the co-op characters will be very customizable to the point that they've got some guest characters in from different games, such as Gears of War and Resident Evil, and also Killzone 2 from the PlayStation 3, which is a very cool game. There's also Fable 3, uh, Dead Rising 2, and the downloadable content for Left 4 Dead 2. And the big thing that we'll be talking about this week, the Halo Reach multiplayer beta will be coming out on May the 3rd. There'll be more about that later on in the show. Mikey, those sounded those all sounded pretty violent. Were they all gun war type things? Uh, <laughs> all except no, yeah, they're all shooting games, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Fable th- Fable Three is probably the most light-hearted of the games, even though it's it, it does have some adult themes in it, but it's all funny and brightly coloured and nice. In Fable 2, I think they're carrying this on into Fable 3 as well. You had a, a dog that was your companion throughout the game, and he was. they tried their hardest to make him seem like a real dog, so you could like play catch with him. And oh, cool. Stuff. It, was, it was pretty cool. It cool. does sound cool. So in tech news last week, Mikey brought up an article about people in a different country who were using a sausage as a stylus on their iTouch, their their MP3 player, or whatever their touchscreen um, portable item was, because they didn't want their fingers to get cold. Makes sense. Fascinating and revolting. <laughs> Fascinating and revolting. Well, now, there is a new product, which we will show you a picture of and put the link up, called 180s Gloves, and those will replace your sausages. So no more sausages. Well, they're actually called Urban Tech Touch Gloves. Yes. Yeah. Which is good, because I find that when I shop in the um, frozen goods section, my touch screen does not work. So I could have a glove really? shop. Yeah, my, my hands get so cold that it won't react. There's no reaction. I'm... Not sure why, but yeah, um, it, you know, if I blow on a bit, you know, suddenly I can use my phone again. But I, you know, I have a trackball as well. But you know, it's just inconvenient because sometimes you need to make a call while you're buying broccoli, and it happens. <laughs> well, I, when I'm at work, I'm usually in front of a fridge for like four hours. I can still operate my phone. Maybe I just have good circulation. I don't know. And you're allowed to use your phone at work. That is good too. Well, no, but you know, just well, no. What I do is when I I try and spend as much time in the back of the shop as I can, so I can listen to music because we're allowed to listen to music technically when we're not on the shop floor. So I have my I whip out my iPhone and play some Chili Peppers or something. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, so the neat thing about these gloves is that there's a little. Um, spot on the fingertip and on the thumb that mimics um, your hand. So you won't have to take your glove off to use your touch screens because this little tiny little dot on your fingertip will work it fine. And they're pretty cheap, only about $40. I didn't only think that was bad. $40. Well, I, I mean, know, uh, only about $40. I have a better solution. Put your hands in your pocket so they stay warm. <laughs> 
and then take it. Or buy a sausage. Or buy a sa- sausage, yeah, and then you can at least eat or the sausage. Or blow on your hand before you use it on the phone. Just, <laughs> yeah. And there you go. Yeah. See, I saved you $40 okay. right there. No, <laughs> since you put this link in our, sh- in our notes, uh, I've seen some woolen gloves, but they're like fingerless gloves. Only It's only your finger and your thumb that are fingerless, so you can operate your phone. Right. I have I have two pair of fingerless gloves now because I kept having to take my glove off to use my phone or change my music or whatever and then put it back on while I was driving and that was too distracting. So I got some fingerless ones. And it works fine. And I like to call them Trump gloves. Trump gloves? Yeah, because Trump's wear them. Oh, tr- uh, Trump being homeless person. <laughs> I think there's a difference in meaning if you cross the Atlantic. That is true. Tramp means something else in the U.S. All right. Would you like to explain for our British <laughs> listeners? <laughs> uh, usually tramps are women who are pretty easy. Right. Is that a good explanation? Yeah. <laughs> Moving on, I think. <laughs> I think you two wanted to talk about some movie trailers. Right. I picked two trailers that are coming out. And um, two different movies coming out in the next month. And I thought we could just talk about the trailers that we watched. Um, It's coming out on February 19th in the U.S. And I think it looks terrifying. (laughs) Oh, this was on the Super Bowl, wasn't it? I remember this. Yes. You watched the Super Bowl? Well, no. But I watched the the different commercials. He watched all the ads. The commercials are bigger than the game. That is (laughs) excellent. They're more universal, I suppose, in appeal. I watched the game for the commercial. So this movie is directed by Martin Scorsese, which I think he's right uh, makes pretty scary shows. Oh, Martin Scorsese! Yeah. I thought he was more like um, mafia movies and things like that. That um, I guess I'm not into directors. Oh, he also um, directed uh, uh, The Departed. That comes up in the trailer, doesn't it? That's a gangster film, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen that. That's got a very depressing ending. Spoiler. Well, I think <laughs> no Shutter problem. Island looks like it's going to be kind of like have a lot of plot twists in it, as well as being terrifyingly scary. I'm not into <laughs> scary films. I'm sorry. I don't know if I'll go see it or not. It looks too scary for me. <laughs> it's more of a, you know... DVD movie for me. I would like to see how it ends to see if I want to invest the time in watching it develop. You want to see the ending first? Yeah. Okay, that is is a Shonda thing. Yeah. I I do that with books, too. And the second movie, which comes out in the U.S. on March 5th, is Alice in Wonderland, directed by Tim Burton, and starring Johnny Depp, Mia Wasikowska, and Helen bon- Bonham Carter. I butchered her name, I'm sorry. Which Did one? Did you guys watch? <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, I didn't mess up Helen Bonham. There's an A. I didn't type it right. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> I knew that even. I even knew that. And I... <laughs> well, there's a shock. Johnny Depp and Helen Bonham Carter being in a Tim Burton movie. I know. What do you know? I think that one, this movie looks kind of uh, scary. I'm not sure I'll take my kids to this one. I um, I felt the same way. I saw the, the trailer at the movie theater when I took the kids to see Alvin and the Chipmunks, and I thought it was kind of disturbing, and 
I didn't want to see it. Uh, I don't know if the kids would be scared, but I thought I would be. It's a must-miss for me. Um, I may watch it if it's on cable one day and I don't feel like getting a remote. But <laughs> the cinema photography just looks kind of scary to me, that's all. Yeah, it's very... Well, it's Tim Burton, first off. but Right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't seen the Disney one either. Oh, you haven't? No, and this I doesn't like make it. me want to watch e- either of them watching this trailer. Well, this one is like Alice is older and she goes back. Right. So. So it's like a sequel. I guess. I think it looks neat and I like Johnny Depp. I like how he plays really odd, um, awkward characters. He's not afraid to get out there and play somebody who's really, really strange. So I'm excited to see it. No, nobody else wants to. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, no, I like Johnny Depp. I had actually read this on Twitter where someone was comparing his inspiration for this role as being Madonna. That um, that for some reason, I guess, the Mad Hatter looked very Madonna-like to them. Um, Madonna the artist, hmm. not Mother Christ. It was um, just different. Um, and since it was on Twitter, naturally it had to be Alex Moraz. Because who else do I follow on Twitter? Anyway. Moving on, that's just a bit more about me than you need to know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so then, um, I saw that the soundtrack comes out March 2nd, called Almost Alice, and I bought two songs from it, Alice by Avril Lavigne, and Follow Me Down by 303. Yeah, I liked Alice by Avril Lavigne, I thought it was a pretty good track. I thought it was good, too. I liked it. It was kind of like haunted, almost. I, I really, really liked the sound, the, the tone that that um, song set. And when I listened to Follow Me Down by 303, um, I liked it, but it, it kind of reminded me of like a mainstream pop rock type of a song. And I thought that this album was supposed to be really alternative. So I was kind of like, is this alternative album or not? So, my take on these songs, first off, not something that I would usually listen to, but right. uh, I have been exposed to Avril Lavigne in my past, and this just sounds exactly like an Avril Lavigne song, only with like creepy circus noises at the beginning. <laughs> I actually think this sounds better than some of her other songs, so kind of dark. I liked it. I've not listened to a lot of Avril Lavigne, so to me, it's just um, it's, it's a good song, and that's that's about it, but, you know, it's, I don't have a knowledge of her whole body of works to compare it to. Yeah, I don't listen to a whole lot of her. Okay, so now we were just going to say a quick little bit about Hunger Games, because I promised on the last episode that I would read the first half of the book before today and we could talk about it but I read the whole book last night (laughs) and it's fantastic (laughs) it's such a good book it really is who was it written by? Suzanne Uh, Collins mm -hmm. I know you said I know you've mentioned uh, that you were getting the book uh, last episode and I know you've told me that you know people that have gone and bought the book so like when they listen they'll know what we're talking about 
in a few episodes' time. Maybe we'll, after we've given everyone a chance to read, we can do a discussion on it. Excellent. Yeah. I will be reading the second book in the series, ASAP. Also, send in your questions and comments about that as well. Okay, so we're going to do a quick recap of the Olympics. I was really, really sorry to hear about the luge accident. It just totally floored me when the guy, um, when I heard about the guy dying. And I just wanted to say I'm so sorry, and I hope everybody else that competes is safe and there are no more accidents. But now I'm afraid I jinxed somebody. Oh, God. (laughs) I had a geology teacher who, every time we went on a school holiday, he'd say, make sure you watch the news for something that geological that happens. Uh, and actually one of those times where he said, make sure you watch the news over Christmas. Uh, that was actually the year that the tsunami hit in Asia. Wow. Yeah. So um, I went to the Olympics Vancouver 2010 website, and I just wanted to get give a medal count recap. The U.S. has 24 medals right now. Germany has 16 Norway has 12, and then it goes down to 9 for Korea and 8 for Canada. And I can't see Great Britain on this list. Now, I do actually have something to say about this. Since I saw you put in this snide <laughs> remark about England not getting any gold medals. Although, apparently, we did get a gold medal that I wasn't aware Only of. Only because I told you. Yeah. <laughs> but I've heard that apparently... Uh, during the recent uh, financial recession, uh, um, <clears throat> the company that sponsored the American, the American, the English athletes, uh, it went into administration. So our athletes are having quite a lot of trouble actually getting out to the to Vancouver. Oh, so that's why there's not a lot of athletes. I that's I assume so. Yeah. That's what I've heard. I don't know if that's true, but it makes sense, and I'm sticking with it. Well, I just want to say congratulations to Amy Williams, who won the first UK winter gold in 30 years. Yay, Amy! Wow. See, it doesn't get cold enough here to do winter sports, I don't think. We don't get enough snow. Oh, maybe that's why. Yeah. Although Jamaica had a bobsled team. Oh, whatever. (laughs) And you want to follow the Olympians on Twitter, the link, so that you can um, just, all you do is click on the link, and it'll show you all the Olympians' most current posts, which is kind of fun. And I spent yesterday um, Twitter stalking all of the Olympians to see what they're doing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, so I'd like to move it back to the trailer talk. Ash has mentioned some movie trailers, but I'd like to talk about a game trailer that came out fairly recently. And it's the Halo Reach trailer, or actually it's a a little video documentary thing talking about stuff they're doing on the game. And I brought in some friends of mine who were also pretty big gamers, and we had pretty lengthy discussions, so we're going to split it up over maybe the next two or three episodes. So, um, we'll play the first part now, and uh, I put I usually put the pictures in the little album art 
a little box for you to look up. But because we're going to be talking specifically about Halo for an extended period of time, I'm not going to be putting many pictures in, just so we don't piss off Bungie or Microsoft. But anyway, here's the first part of our Halo Reach discussion. Okay, I'm here with my friends Tom and Nick to talk about the new Bungie game Halo Reach set to come out in... Uh, Fall 2010. Fall 2010, there you go. So, I've prepared some questions, I guess. And uh, Oh, f- first of all, uh, Tom, say hello. Hello. There you go, so now you know Tom's voice. And Nick, say hello. Hello. There you go, okay. Uh, so, we've all seen the trailer, and we've all seen the new Vidoc, and there'll be links in the show notes. Uh, so, I think the first thing that hits you is the much improved graphics over Halo 3. That's not that hard, to be honest. But, I know, yeah. but, well, there's, I've heard a lot of people say, uh, from the jump between Halo 2 and Halo 3, they said, oh, Halo 3 looks just the same as Halo 2. That's and not then, true at all. Exactly. And, yeah, and there, some there people have been different. saying, like, oh, it just looks the same as Halo 3. Well, no, it definitely looks different to that. I think a lot of people's issues with the graphics of Halo 3, I think when it came out, it looked good. In fact, very good, one of the best. But I think because people have still continued to play it for so long, it's being compared to new releases, and that's just... uh, Well, it didn't help with, like, Modern Warfare, the original one, coming out roughly... That was pretty soon, wasn't it, after Halo? And Pods always had really good graphics, so... Yeah, yeah. You can't really compare them. I mean, Halo has not been known for its graphics at all. If you try and look at the original Halo's graphics, they were kind of... I mean, they were nice. It was colourful and stuff. It was pretty... They had good backgrounds and... Yeah, but I think... Like that, but actual characters, not great. Yeah, I suppose. When you, I was just going to say, when you're comparing games uh, like that with graphics, if you incorporate the gameplay of it, like Call of Duty, can't afford to have... Uh, good graphics when you've got not that many enemies on screen and you're going through a rugged scripted kind of campaign. When, when yeah, you've got Halo. considering the scale of Halo, you, yeah, you, there's so many they, on and things colliding, vehicles driving around, people blowing up, just everything happening at the same time. It just you can't really compare. Well, if you look at like Savo Highway um, in Halo Three, I mean that the one bit with all the uh, raids and stuff. There's so much crap going on screen at one time I mean most yeah. games wouldn't be able to run it but that's true, yeah. it does so. well they, they sounded like in Reach like they wanted to uh, get that the, the scale and how many things happening at one time they wanted to improve on that greatly which uh, sounds really awesome yeah like the uh, this new engine can cope with so many more uh, moving particles at the same time oh yeah didn't they say it was it's like in Halo 3 thousands. and then as opposed to 100 in Halo 3 yeah Yeah, and they said they were like building environments like epic in scale like bigger than Halo 1 they wanted to nurture exploration and all that like they were it was a sandbox game yeah what do you you know the vendors sorry I was going to say the vendors they've released like comparing marines in Halo 3 and Reach and also the assault rifle in Halo 3 and Reach you just see a huge difference in the detail 
We'll have to they manage to put in. Yeah, I remember reading on uh, Bungie that they had the same amount of polygons made uh, to make a marine in Halo 3 that they do just on the assault rifle in Halo Reach. That's crazy. So what do you think about all these new, uh, like, the weapon models and things? And then, what do you think about the new Spartans, actually? Because uh, I really like them. I wasn't sure when it came, because I'm a huge Halo nerd, as these two will know. Actually, most people that know me know this, but yeah. <laughs> uh, having read all the books several times over and spazzed whenever some small amount of information has ever come out on a Halo game. Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't sure how they'd wreck on it with the lore, but it seems like they've done it pretty well. I mean, I'm not that bothered, I'm more just interested in seeing this awesome game coming well, out. Well, they're all um, like threes, aren't they? Apart from one Yeah, of them. besides George, who's a Spartan 2. Which one's George? George is a huge one carrying the... Uh, one with the big massive machine gun, yeah. Alright. So they, it's, they've definitely said they're Spartan 3s. Yeah, they have. Yeah, and that George is a Spartan 2. And since I read that George is a Spartan 2, whenever I really look at the videos, you can just tell how much bigger he is than everyone else. Yeah. So do you reckon... Uh, for those of you who've read um, Ghosts of Onyx, uh, they had Kurt. He was a Spartan too, wasn't yes. he? And he was yes, the guy yes. that trained all the Spartan threes. Yes. So do you reckon? Well, that... actually, on Bungie when they released some information on Bungie.net, sorry, uh, when they released some of the information uh, concerning Reach, when they were talking about all the different Spartans. Um, there was actually an act, well, um, I'm not sure what you'd call it, but there was a bit of speech said by Kurt referring to the Spartans. I can't quite remember what it was saying. Um, it was talking about Atkinson and things like that. But yeah, um, basically Kurt was given a military, um, he was given a military rank because he wasn't part of the Navy like all the other Spartans. Um, and that's the same with these Spartans that they've, got out for reach, they're all military as opposed to, well, army, sorry, as opposed to um, navy, so yeah. they have much more human interaction, which is, I, I think is a big part of what, what Bungie trying to go for, is trying it? to achieve. They yeah. want you to care for these characters and see that they are humans, awesome humans that can break every bone in your body if they wanted to. <laughs> but yeah, yeah they, they keep going on about how, uh, how it's a more character-driven story than what they've done before, which I think would be really cool. Although, I do know, well, I've got this horrible feeling that you're going to really like these characters, and they keep saying at the end, you know, from the beginning, you know the end, and the end is that Reach gets destroyed, it gets raped horrifically by the spark, the, by the Covenant. It gets raped. Um, which makes me think that throughout the campaign, you're going to lose a team member every couple of, you know, like, I don't know how long the campaign's going to be, but I reckon you'd lose a good few teammates, like they're going to die in some awesome, heroic way. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. They can't just have you all survive to the end and then all die, because you just won't care about it as much. Like, uh, I think the example it, I've heard before is uh, the movie Black Hawk Down. Like, you you have loads of, uh, like, FaceTime with all the different Marines and stuff, and then, like, every now and then one of them dies and it's really drawn out and you like, really feel it. If that makes yeah. sense. Instead of, no, like, saving Private Ryan, where there's just, well, like, 50 sorry, people I mean, dying every second. quite in the same line <laughs> as you were saying, but of, the, of all the spawns they've shown, they've released, which 
I mean, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this already, but which of them is your guy's like, favourite? Who do you think looks, acts the coolest? Uh, well, I reckon you think I'm going to say the guy with the skull scratched on Emil, his helmet. Emile, yeah. yeah. Emile. Awesome. <laughs> but <laughs> probably... Um, I don't know, the sniper guy. June. It, 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 like... I, th- I think it's too. He's a bit of a tit, but... <laughs> uh, I don't know, I just... Oh, cool. I wasn't sure if you guys knew this also. Um, you know how they're talking about more, like, uh, personalised, uh, customizable Spartans that you can make for multiplayer and stuff? Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure if you read or heard that the, char- the Spartan that you make in campaign, like the armour and stuff you put on him then, is also the same one that you play in multiplayer. Like, yes. Awesome. So, uh, anything you put on Spartan when you're running around in campaign will also be on your multiplayer avatar, if you like. Uh, oh, about this, actually, I've got... I uh, I think it was on the Xbox, uh, like, in the spotlight thing, on the dashboard, or maybe it was in a Waypoint video. But there was an interview with some people that, I think it was at X10, uh... And someone said, I don't know if you let it slip, but it was like in a really long drawn out answer to a question. And he said, like, uh, is this armor ability being exploited? Uh, when he was talking about things that they were going to be looking for in, re- in the Reach multiplayer beta. And he says, he said, is this armor ability being exploited? I don't know if you've heard that. That's quite interesting. No, I haven't heard that. Um, well, the only one they've properly released so far is the Sprint one. And I'm not sure why. I think it'll be really cool. It'll add like, good dynamics to a team. Yeah. yeah. I'm just. It just depends what they choose to make as the armor abilities. I wasn't sure. You know, if they're taking out bubble shields, people like bubble shields in Halo Three. Um, so maybe they'll have one where, if you're standing still, you press X or whatever the button is, you deploy a bubble shield on your person, and it's like, yeah, yeah. you can use it whenever it's up type thing. They've confirmed cloaking as well, or active camo. I don't know if they've renamed it or anything. Oh, yeah, I, I, sorry, I do remember that. Yeah, and I was just thinking, uh, just from a button layout point of view, when I watched the vid up again, I noticed that they've changed X back to the reload and pickup weapon button. No, I like having it on. Hopefully it'll be remappable, because I like having it on the shoulder button. Well, I'm just I'm just thinking, like, if their armability has been linked to the shoulder button, then obviously you're going to have to use it quite a lot, because it's a, it's like a persistent ability that recharges, so you probably want to use it like all the time. Yeah, I suppose that depends on the cooldown on the ability, how long it takes to recharge. Yeah, yeah that's true. So, uh, what do you think about... Uh, they mentioned in the vidarc that they'll be having the, like, the Covenant speaking in alien languages again. What, what, what? I think that's much better... Yeah, I definitely, it's much more, well, I don't know, there's only a certain amount of immersion you can get in Halo, but, you know, you do fear an enemy that you don't understand, and by making them talking, you know, speak English um, in 2 and 3 and ODST, because you could understand what they were doing, there was a lot less fear, I suppose, I don't know, I never really felt scared ever playing Halo, besides when I first met the Flood, that was kind of freaky. I think, yeah. So you won't miss like the grunt talking about food nipple. 
They, I reckon, I mean, in Halo 1, even though they all spoke in the alien language, there was still the odd occasion where you'd catch them saying something in English. So I reckon they'll leave some comical things in. Or it'll be like, I would have been your daddy's skull, where if you turn that on, they speak English. Oh, that's like that, actually. That would be a good idea, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we mentioned before that it'll be a sandbox game. So, uh, that means, like... Well, what does that mean? One of you explain it. Um, I guess everything will be going on in the background without your influence. That seems to be what they're getting at anyway. It's going to be much larger in scale. There's going to be far more things on screen at once for processing. I read somewhere like um, AI and stuff will be fighting, like sort of scripted while you're not there. Or oh, no, no, sorry, they'll be all fighting. Um, and then the closer you get to them, they like react to you getting closer. Right. And then you influence what they do, type thing. But they will be fighting without you around. It sounds um, a bit. I was just going to say, if any, if anyone's played that game, Stalker, where you're in the post-apocalyptic war zone of uh, Chernobyl, it's got a lot of um, AI fighting each other when you're not around, and that influences the game. I think when I first heard about that, I thought it would be a lot like that. Oh, yeah, cool. so I, I haven't played many games like that, to be honest. So I could. Uh, that probably sounds a lot more like it. Yeah. So it won't be much like, say, on outskirts on Halo 2. Like, you get to a point, like, waves of stuff come in when you're in that courtyard. And, like, you always know where all the snipers are going to be. Um, and, like, and you always know, like... You always know exactly where to aim because the hunters come through the door in the same position every time. I think there will be situations like that. Yeah. But obviously there'll be the levels where you get given a like a warthog, more like in Halo 1 in, in the second level, Halo, where you yeah. just get in a hog and you drive around and there's the three locations where you've got to go pick up the marines and you can basically do it like in any order and there's certain areas that you don't necessarily get told to go to, but that you can explore and find extra ammo and little bits like that. Hmm. Uh, that's the thing about Halo 2 and 3. They've both been a lot more linear, I think. Yeah. More so they can focus on story. Things like that, yeah, yeah. on story. Um, yeah. But I actually preferred Halo 1 to both the sequels purely because it felt a lot more open and yeah, you you found different things for yourself instead of being thrown everything, if you like. I just hope they don't um, go too far in that direction and make it too open. Well, I don't want it to be aimless, no. Um, yeah. I, I don't think that's going to happen, though, because they want it to be a very human-driven story. So I think there will definitely be a very strong direction yeah. for the game to take. But at the same time, I hope that you can go out and explore different areas that... You know, because Bungie likes their Easter eggs, they're bound to have hidden yeah. plenty of stuff in every mission. Yeah, I think there probably will be like at least one linear kind of level, more like Halo 2 or Halo 3, where it's just like action-packed, that kind of level. Well, I was surprised with Halo 3. Um, like In the first two Halos, the first level of each game was set on a spaceship, yeah. yes. a human spaceship, and you had to fight your way through it, killing all the Covenant on the way. And it, ba it basically showed you how the Covenant were kicking humans' asses, because that's what they do. Um, 
that they changed that with Halo 3, and I really disliked the jungle level. I just thought that if that would have been a second level, I wouldn't have minded it. I thought for the yeah. first level of Halo 3, at the end of Halo 2, Chief's on the Covenant, uh, on the yeah, Fallen. I, I, I definitely thought the first level of Halo 3 was going to be on board that Forerunner ship, like fighting through all of Truth's brutes, and then like you jump out as, like, at the end of the level. Yeah. I definitely, that's really what I thought was going to happen. My impression yeah. at the end of the credits on Halo 2 was that he was alone on that ship. Well, that was true. Truth was on that ship with an army of brutes, didn't he? He was. Yeah. Oh. Well, never mind then. <laughs> well, there was a series of comics released, uh, Halo Uprising, the comics, um, that they meant to bring out all before Halo 3 came out, but they screwed up majorly and only released one before Halo 3 came out. And there was like another four editions. They were supposed to be out. They're, they're all out now. I, I haven't oh, right. seen them because they were all extremely expensive and. I've, you know, I can just go on Halo Wiki or something like that and find out what was in them. Um, basically, and they detail everything that happened between Chief Gen on the ship. He actually got captured and tortured and stuff like that. It's stuff you don't know. But then, uh, yeah, at the end, it shows him jumping off the ship. Uh, what the hell? I'd have liked to know that stuff. Yeah, yeah, I would too. And I thought that was going to be explained at the start of Halo 3, but as it was, they didn't. Right. So they've also given us a glimpse of like new weapons, uh, namely the DMR, which is like the mid-range rifle thing to replace the battle rifle. Mm. What do you think of that? I thought it looked really cool. I like it. Um, it effectively functions exactly like the BR, but I think they're trying to make it uh, in Halo Two and Three. The BR was still really useful at close range. Like there were many times where I managed to kill someone with a BR when they were attacking me at close range. I mean, you could argue that's skill because, yeah, well, yeah, never. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think they're trying to make it so it's only effective at range. So it's not like the be-all and end-all weapon that it was in, especially two, three to a lesser degree because the AR was slightly better. Yeah. But I, I really liked it. Um, I was just going to say. I was just going to say, is it definitely just a single shot? Because I, I thought initially it might be like uh, when they first announced the battle rifle for Halo 2, where it was a single shot when you were scoped, and, mm-hmm. and a three burst when you weren't, and I wasn't yeah, sure. If you, if you, if you, if you look, um, there's, it's only got 12 round clip in it, so um, uh, yeah. it's, um, it's definitely single shot. Um, I also, I, was, I meant to bring this up a bit earlier actually, but um, what they've changed from Halo, I think 2 and 3 actually, uh, changed it to reach is um, how bullets will effectively hit their target as soon as you shoot as opposed to having to travel and having like this travel lag if you like uh-huh. um, so bullets hit their target as soon as you fire um, and I really like that change I so it means you have to lead with plasma slightly more but bullets hit when you shoot really and I think that's definitely a good thing well, that makes sense that is cool. Oh, one other thing I noticed as well, and that someone talked about, uh, I can't remember where I read about it, but they brought back uh, the weapon sway that was in Halo 1, back to Halo Reach. You know, when, uh, you're, in a cool. first, when you're in first-person mode and you just move to left and right, and you, the sides of your gun move slightly according to where you're moving. Which is, yeah, which is that affect your aiming, or is that just... No, it doesn't, it doesn't affect crosshair at all. It's just the visual of your gun like moving slightly. Oh. Why would they get rid of that? Well, I don't know, but they in Halo two and three, it was just like a station going, like it was just like stuck to the screen, didn't move at all. I don't know why they I were. Think, up. 
part of that might have been they've changed the whole field. Well, in Halo Two, it went from like ninety degrees field of view or field of vision or whatever you want to call it to like sixty degrees, and everyone was complaining because it means you can't see as much. They tried changing it in Halo Three a bit and made it a bit wider. Um, it might be in Reach. They've made it a lot wider now, and they feel it makes more sense to have your weapon moving about. And there's just graphical limitations, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. Another thing about Weapon 3, just talking about the general HUD, from what I can make out from the Vidoc. Yeah. Notice they've got the compass above the uh, shield bar like they did in uh, ODST, which I think is really cool. Oh, nice. Definitely. And uh, obviously the uh, the way they brought back health, I think, will uh, be quite good. Oh, did they? Yeah, I didn't know. I think I'm pretty sure they've confirmed med packs like they had in one and ODST as well. So. Oh, I was going to ask about that. Yeah, how that would work. And also, uh, they've got rid of uh, spike grenades and firebomb grenades. They've just got the two basic. Oh, yeah. And it looks like. But and you can also carry four of each type of grenade now, as opposed to. Uh, I don't know if multiplayer. I'll cut it down to two a piece, like basically Halo Three. Oh, I thought. Well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if they are, but like the reason that they cut it down to two a piece in the Halo Three multiplayer is they thought that. People who grenade spam too much, obviously. Well, they really do. It's horrific. That was my big like criticism about the campaign was just having so many grenades to change morale to. Yeah, I really hated that, and I think not having equipment in the campaign because it, it was it's good. It had its uses, and there were some times where it was very useful indeed. But I think just having a single use kind of thing in the campaign is like often I was like saving it for a, a moment that never came, or like, I'd forget to use it or whatever. Mm. And I just don't think it's served much of a use in campaign. I think having a persistent ability like sprint or cloaking or whatever else they've got that would, be a lot would just be I a lot more. The major problem I had with equipment was how the majority of it was completely useless. Like the only ones you'd keep were a generator, bubble shield, and um, power drainer. All the others were gimmicks, really. Because um, the radar jammer worked on you as well, so it was pointless to throw in the situation. Just everyone you had, you had, The grav lift had very specific uses, and if you didn't have the grav lift, like say it got wasted or used or the enemy picked it up, you were completely powerless, if you like. Because especially on high ground, like if you didn't have the grav lift, you were essentially lacking a way of getting up to uh, display. <laughs> so, yeah, so I was getting up, hilarious. Lol. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, do you reckon they'll put in like a huge jump? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they'll just implement more man cannons. Oh, oh, that's one thing I wanted to ask about. What do you think about the scripted assassination things? What's that? I think the you know when you hold down B and you're behind someone and you jump on their back and you stab oh, yeah. them. In the neck and... I like it, but I'm afraid of it being um, like uh, Assassin's Creed or something where you only have like a set amount of different animations for kills, so it might get boring really quickly. I still yeah. think it'll be slightly better than just, like, weakly clubbing someone in the back of the head and they just fall down dead. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll still be better than that. It probably I depends think... on your character, like, what they've got on them at the time. Yeah, I think there will be multiple animations, obviously, so it just doesn't get stale, but what I wondered about seeing that is whether they were going to incorporate it into the multiplayer at all. Hmm. Possibly. Yeah, um, it seems like a big drain on uh, processing power to do that in the middle of an online game. Yeah, well, I mean, I this isn't... Sorry, carry on. 
Well, I just thought that the animation for it, he like climbs on the back of the elite because the elites are much taller, so uh, yeah. that, that wouldn't really work on. Uh, I was just going to address. Um, I mean, this is a different game completely, but uh, I've seen some evidence of the AVP demo, the uh, Aliens vs Predator game they're bringing out. Oh, yeah. um, That's actually out. No, is it actually out? Okay, yeah. fair enough. Uh, I've just seen the demo, but anyway, um, there's like special assassination things that I think the Predators, and both the Predators and the Aliens can do, but uh, one thing that I saw many people complaining about was how you'd be assassinating someone, and then as soon as you'd finished, someone else was right there, or they were shooting you during the assassination, and you know, you'd die straight away, so if they yeah. do keep it in multiplayer... Yeah, I, be, uh, I played the demo, and that was a problem. It was extremely annoying. And we're back. Fantastic. Yeah. So I hope everybody enjoyed that. Yeah, I hope you didn't get too bored by all the gamer talk. Let's move on to our weekly favourite app or website section. Go ahead, Shonda. Um, My favourite pick this week is Visual Voicemail, which is probably not a new thing, but it's something I've recently put on my phone because I hate to call and check my voicemail. I like for it to stay full so people can't leave me any messages. But um, with the visual voicemail, it's just a little bit less painless. It's a click instead of making a call. I never have to hear the automated voice. I can see my new messages, play them on the screen. And the best part is, you know, I don't have to listen to any part of the message. I can just delete it immediately. Um, it's... Um, it's very convenient for me. So this is for your cell phone? Uh, it's, it's for my cell phone. I use a, a Google Android. It's the G1. It's not the, the new cooler ones that came out right after I bought my phone. Um, oh, that happened to me with phone. the iPhone. They bought out the new version just after I bought mine. Oh, it's cool. Mine is clunky. It has a nice amount of weight to it. I can use it as a weapon if I chose to. And I'm also going to you know, we all look for the things we look for, right? And so the, the visual voicemail is doing it for me now. Um, it's a, it's a, just, it was quick, easy, and free. I like free as well in an application. So that's my pick. Ash, what's your pick? Um, my pick, I decided this week, would be the iKindle application on my iPhone. But they also have an icon, uh, Kindle version for desktop that you can download right onto your computer. Both are free, the iPhone app or the desktop. Um, and that, if you don't know what a Kindle is, it's kind of like uh, a reading device, kind of like an iPad, but all you can do is read books, um, magazines, and newspapers on it that Amazon created and... So I don't have the Kindle, but I have the iKindle on my phone and on my desktop on my computer. I love it because I can read books. I can uh, just carry it with me everywhere I go. It remembers right where I left off. No matter which medium I use, computer or phone, it can remember exactly where the last place I left off was. And I can make notes and highlight, which is awesome. So that's that my pick. Awesome. I'm assuming the Kindle has its own... Like its own version of, say, the app, the app store. 
or, well, only it would be all all, uh, all books, and that'll be through it's Amazon. It's all books. Yeah, I'm yeah. assuming if you that go... it has that. So, does yes. the, is the iKindle an Amazon endorsed product? Yes. Uh huh. If I if I want to buy anything, I can go to the Amazon website and buy the story that I want, whatever book I want, right on their Kindle. Like they have a, a subcategory called Kindle. And so I buy it on there, or I can buy it from my phone, either one, and it automatically uploads it to my phone. It's like Whisper Sync, they call it. That's pretty cool. It sure is. I am jealous. Well, I think free. that's the best compliment I can give. <laughs> well, it, it is free, so that's nice. And you just have to buy the books, and the books don't cost as much because you're saving trees and binding and all that. It's kind of like reading a PDF, but not. I don't know how to explain it. You have to try it. My app this week, uh, I got pretty bored with my crossword app. So I decided to get a word search app called Word Search. And it's pretty cheap. I think it's about a dollar. It works out as a dollar. Pretty cool. You can put in your own words, completely change the dictionary it uses to hide words in your word search so it's it's pretty customizable and it looks pretty nice it's got loads of different backgrounds and things they look pretty cool so so mikey if you were a lord of the rings fan and you wanted to do an entire crossword puzzle in elf elvish you could put in all your own elvish words and then it would create a crossword puzzle well yes but with elvish there's a lot of different Accents and uh, things on words. So any <laughs> okay, that I thought diehard, it was going to be geekier than you, Mikey. <laughs> anyone that oh, to Lord of the Rings totally beat me. <laughs> <laughs> so you're an LOTR fan? Kind of. I never read the oh, book, really? unfortunately. Oh, really? Yeah. You only watched the movies? I've watched the movies numerous times, and I had this uh, Tolkien encyclopedia which I've studied quite closely so I could tell you about stuff I could tell you about Lord of the Rings but I couldn't tell you about the story Lord of the Rings that is so bizarre um, I know. I'm, I'm a I'm a Lord of the Rings fan I read the books and I watched the movie I watched the first movie and then I finished the books I started on the first one but it was dreadfully boring and so um I'd given up, but... Um, yeah, every time I've tried I, to I read it, I can't get through the first book. Well, skip the first book, read the, start with the second book, and then go pick up the first one, you know, once you realize that at some point it will get to a point. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that was... Well, actually, I did fill my word search with my own words, and I put all Harry Potter things in there. Cool. Yeah. So now I, cool. I can find things like spell names and character names but a lot the, so there's a there aren't clues Mikey well no it's a word search it has a list of words and oh it's word. I gotcha never mind ignore me and uh there's a limit on how big the words can be they've got to be like between five and eight letters long which is kind wow. of annoying but still yeah I can see where that'd be annoying like, I wanted to put Dumbledore in, but it's too long. Oh, 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 actually, I've got one more app that I just want to mention. 
and it's the Battlestar Galactica Cylon bobblehead app. It's free and it's completely <laughs> useless. It's <laughs> but if you shake, it's free and it's completely useless. Yeah, but if you shake the the uh, the old style Cylon, it does say something. Don't know if you heard that, but it says buy your I command. I heard it. Yeah. Okay, that's that's it for the app discussion this week. Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, you need to watch Now you that. snuck in two and we could only use one. I don't think that's quite fair, but you know, let's go on to the next thing. Well, have you got anything else to talk about? No, no. <laughs> Just felt like being content. <laughs> well, there we go. So, uh, we've reached the end of our show. I'll th- I think I'll do a poll this week, uh, or I'll try to, and find out what people's optimum length of an episode should be. So we okay. can use that as a guideline for future episodes. Um, Sounds good. So we've got a little person in our logo, you may have noticed. And that's our mascot. And we think he should have a name. So it's open to you listeners to name him. We'll keep this going for maybe two or three weeks. And send in your names suggestions and we'll eventually pick our favourite one or maybe we'll hold a little competition and people will vote Uh, we don't have a prize yet we'll think about it or maybe send in suggestions for a prize a realistic prize when you send your name suggestions (laughs) (laughs) $200 (laughs) that's a bit optimistic yeah (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but yeah, try and think of something relevant to our show, which is largely irrelevant to most things. So, yeah, there's something to think about. Okay. Yeah. You, you made that rather difficult. Um, relevant to something that's irrelevant. So I love, I, like our, I love our little guy, and I just think he needs to have a name, because he kind of looks sad, but he looks like he's almost about to smile or cry, one of the two. <laughs> so if you want to send in a name, or you want to send in questions for our questions thing at the start, or if you want to send in comments about the show, feedback, which is greatly desired. So hopefully we'll get some this week. Uh, you'll either have to send it to us over Twitter, which our Twitter username is WTF underscore podcast, or you can send us an email to our address, which is podcast.wtf at googlemail.com. And, yeah, thank you to our new followers, by the way. On Twitter. Yay! Yay! Our followers are the best. Please rate us on iTunes. Yes. With a good rating, please. Yeah, good rating. Should have mentioned that. The more star, the more stars, the better. And reviews as well, and spread the word. I know I've a few of my friends. I've told them about it, and they've retweeted and. Some people who uh, I don't know if you're aware of this social network thing called Daily Booth, but one of my friends put up our album art and put a link on there. It's pretty cool. 
I thank you. That's, oh. That was Nina. I don't know if she's going to listen to this, but thank you very much. Maybe we'll have her on one day if she ever gets a headset or a microphone. All right. Yeah. Something to look forward to. I hope so. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and thanks for being our guest, Shanda. It was wonderful. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you very much. We'll have to have you back soon. And today's podcast, we're going to have Whiskey Tango Foxtrot stand for Welcome the Fans, because we're new and we want to say welcome. Yay. Yay, fans. Thank you. (laughs) 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 On that happy note, I'm saying goodbye. Bye. Bye.